This is Peak Too Early, presented by SAV Racing, featuring Mike Gendron, Trent Fontanella, and Steve Gendron. Welcome back to the greatest running podcast in the world. I am one of your hosts, Steve Gendron, and we are live in Atlanta on Sunday morning after the trials, and uh, we're a little banged up, but in the best possible way because this has been such a fun weekend. Guys, Mike, what do you think? Steve, it has been a great weekend. Um, part of me is thinking that there's no way that anybody who ran the marathon yesterday is feeling like I'm feeling. I feel like we put in so much damn work. My voice, I got nothing. We've just been grinding. We've been getting content. We've been having a blast. But man, this is harder than running a marathon. No question about it. There's just no, it's, it's, there's no question. How says you, Trent? Wow, this is the weirdest introduction I ever got. <laughs> uh, I am not at the house of Sav. This is so strange. But I mean, it was, it was a big day. It was a hard day, which is why I really have to just give my hat off to, to Mike and Steve. I mean, these guys knew they were going to have a big day, and they both signed up to run the 5K this morning. There was a, you know, just like, I think it's probably on the same course, same start, same finish. Gets everybody out there the next day. So hats off to you guys for the 5K. How'd it go? So funny story. Uh, Mike and I got here on Friday afternoon. First thing we did is we headed down to the Expo Center to see what was going on. They had the they had the sign up for the Atlanta Marathon and Atlanta 5K, which is the day after the trials, and they had some festivities going on. It was a really cool event. But Mike and I decided at that event that we were going to sign up for the 5K, and it wasn't a cheap it wasn't a cheap race to sign up for. It, it cost a little bit of money, but we were eager to kind of get out there and race, and figured that we'd be inspired by all the people in the trials uh, during the marathon, and we'd jump out of bed on Sunday morning and get to the start line, and uh, it didn't happen, Mike. I, you'd think that we would know better at this point. Like, like you said, it was not cheap. $50 for a 5K is outrageous, especially when 95% of you knows that you're not going to make that line. Steve kept trying to like talk me into this idea that like we were totally going to make it. It just was never going to happen. It was never in the cards. It was complete false hope. At some point, I feel like we just need to grow up and, and, <laughs> and know ourselves a little bit better. The, the tricks did not work on you, though. They always say if you want to do something, you'll know, pay for it in advance, right? Like sign up ahead of time, and then you'll show up to the line. That's how you know you finally start going to the gym. Pay for the full year, that type of thing. But no, you guys are stronger than that. You are you are not <laughs> going to be deterred just because you spent money already on it. You you will sleep in and, and, and not let that mess with your head. So the, the problem with that philosophy, Trent, is we were just discussing how – in a weekend like this where it's like somebody's covering the bill here, somebody's grabbing an Uber there, putting money down on this game, Venmo becomes an outrageous world where you're just transactioning money back and forth, left and right, nonstop. And at some point you end up just breaking even. You probably should just cover each other the whole time. But when Venmo gets going like that, it's like money just starts feeling fake. It just You just feel like you've spent money on everything. You don't even know what's going on anymore. I don't understand how Venmo is so popular. When it just deals with fake money, people just send fake money to each other, and somehow everyone is using it. It's very bizarre to me. It's like one big game of Monopoly. <laughs> well, I will say, even though we didn't wake up for the race this morning, Atlanta showed up in a big way yesterday. Um, it was the the trials. We started early at the city tap house, like we said. We had you know set up for a party. It was the perfect situation. We had giant big screen TVs. We had 
beers for $2.62. We had the course right there. We were able to, to run out and watch the runners come by. And, you know, I envision this being a cool setup, and I envision there being some people out there to kind of cheer on the marathon. I envision it being a fun day. I didn't envision it like this. It was awesome. There was the bar. The bar was packed with people. We had some friends of the program coming out to meet us. The course was lined up with people. Like the only bad part is we weren't able to kind of run from the bar out to the course because there were so many people on the course. It was kind of hard to to see the runners, which was awesome and it was great to see. Um, it was just an all around great day yesterday. It was the perfect balance of you're at the race, so you have the race environment, right? You have people cheering, you have cowboys going crazy, and every once in a while you can go to the sidewalk and see some people run by. But then you also have this bar set up with an electric atmosphere, a huge TV where you can see everyone's times, where they're at, where your folks are doing. So it's just the perfect combination. It made for an awesome day. We like every time the bartender came by, we're just like, hey, just bring 10 more beers to the table. And whoever was there, we had some some friends show up. We had some fans show up. We had just a, a great time, random people in the bar that we met. And just the table was filled with beer the entire time. And that was the most excited I've ever been about any running event in my entire life. It was, if you weren't here this year, which it feels like every runner on the entire planet is in Atlanta right now, but if you weren't here this year, you gotta be there in four years because it was amazing. Dude, you would have thought it was like a big time NFL Sunday, the way the bar was just packed, glued to the TV, cheering, you know, at every possible move. Uh, big, big freaking shout out to the entire city of Atlanta for just showing up and, and doing it right, or all the fans that flew down or came in to watch it. Because, you know, as Steve was saying, I mean, the place was packed. It felt like the whole city was there to watch the trials. Everybody brought energy. Uh, it just. I couldn't have been more impressed by the fans and the whole city for, for like, you know, just being there yesterday it was awesome. It literally felt like anybody who was anybody in the running world was in Atlanta this weekend. But also, literally like, everybody. the Joe Schmoes, too. Yeah. We were, I mean, I don't want to, like, give off our, our video content coming <laughs> out too much, but with tons of people that were just like, hey, there's an event going on. This is a great excuse to go outside. I'm not sure, like, outdoor drinking was technically allowed, but everybody had beers out on the sidewalk <laughs> in their koozies and whatever, and people were just having a grand old freaking time, track fans, non-track fans, people from Atlanta, people that flew down for it. It was, it was everybody. Yeah, and when you know the the race was coming down to the end, it was two very exciting finishes on the male and and female side, which we'll get into in a minute. But the bar was because all the runners had come by, by that point in the in the course for the last time, so everybody kind of filtered into the bar, and they had the you know on all the TVs they had every you know all, every single TV was on the race, and people were going nuts. It was crazy. It was so much fun. Um, and, you know, I think we got to give a couple shout outs. First, we got to give a shout out to uh, the City Tap House for kind of really, really showing out and, and being a great host. We got to give a shout out to our guy, Colin. My man. Colin flew in from, from Wisconsin. He came to the bar. He hung out with us for, you know, for the day, you know, joined in the, the party. A um, couple other friends of the program. Bill Ling came by. That was a that was a ton of fun. And, uh, you know, 27 video, Pat Florence showed up in a big way. And I cannot wait for this video. I just can't wait to, like, relive the day and kind of go through the day and watch the video because it was that much fun. I have no idea what to expect from that video. I just know that there seemed like there was something crazy happening the entire time, and it felt like 27 videos grabbing it. It's going to be – we're describing the day right now, but it's honestly one of those things that's like, just wait for this video because you're going to be able to experience it completely when you see this thing. It's awesome. So many moments where it's like – just so you know, when you wake up the next day, we didn't do – our, our long run today, uh, the Pete Twirly Harris, <laughs> Pete Twirly Boys skipped out on their Sunday morning long run. 
But you talk about like just recap from the night before, kind of it's a, an old college thing, right? You go on Sunday morning long run, you tell your sad stories from the night before. There were so many little moments that you forgot about. Do you remember when that person just went, you know, ape shit in the bar and everybody <laughs> was like, yeah, it was fucking awesome. So um, it was it was such a memorable day. So let's get into the race. Let's break it down a little bit, kind of talk about how it shaped out, kind of what were the what were the highlights, what were the exciting parts of it. Um, but I mean, the lead story has to be Rupp kind of showing up, just doing his thing, complete and total, utter domination. By uh, I don't think it was any surprise to anybody um, to see how much he dominated the field out there. But it's exciting. I do I do think that there was a part of everybody that just wasn't sure because it had been a long time since we had seen Rupp just go after it. So I think there was a, a, a bit of doubt that maybe he wouldn't be the same Rupp. No question about it. He is a superstar. And he didn't give Steve the, the exact reaction he wanted yeah. across the line. But, I mean, he's going to have to be our guy. If we want to you know, have a chance in the Olympics, that's our guy right there. So the beauty about the whole event, I thought, yesterday was you had people you were rooting for when you went to the bar, right? We, we were in our pool, everyone else there, they had either family or friends, just their favorite athletes that they're pulling for. And I'll admit it, was not rooting for Rupp, right? When the race starts, he wasn't the guy that I was, you know, hoping would pull away from it. But everybody's running Team USA, right? So when you uh, are, are just watching it, and as the race folds out, all of a sudden, now I'm rooting for Rupp. I just love to, like, see him go out and kill it. And the whole bar, I feel like, felt the same way. It didn't matter who was going to get that first, second, or third spot. As soon as, like, they were coming down that home stretch, everybody just starts clapping, you know, USA chants, that sort of thing. So, um, shout-out to Rupp. Like I said, not my favorite athlete going in, but, god damn, the guy just smoked everybody. and just easy. looked. He looked so smooth. It was easy. Textbook race, right? He goes at the 20 or 21 mile mark. I don't know exactly, but textbook marathon where he knew he was in control, and then he just laid the hammer down and left everybody in his dust. And, I, and Mike, I, you kind of you kind of um, hinted at it a little bit, but like, I think we have to like at this point heading into the Olympics, we need to put all the controversy, like all the the rup hatred aside, and we need to get behind this guy. Like, this is our guy going into the Olympics. He's our best shot at a at a medal. At the uh, at the marathon in the in at in the marathon at the Olympics, and it's it's time for kind of USA to, to buy into this guy and buy into what he's doing. Absolutely, and uh, I think we all put him as a lock to make the team. I will say I said he was going to lose, um, so that's going to be a, probably a theme on today's um, podcast. Is just how we were wrong about literally every every step of the it way. It wasn't even. I mean, we didn't even come close. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, and so then you look at the other two podium spots. You got Jacob Riley. And Abdi Abrahim. I mean, two, uh, you know, underdogs, surprise underdogs to make the Olympic team. Jacob Riley out of Boulder Track Club. You know, he's been running well this past year, but I don't think anybody expected him to make the Olympic team. And then Abdi, 42 years old. Like 42 years. Like old. I mean, I, I, I love watching Abdi run. He's been a, he's been a, you know, fan favorite for, for a long time here in the U.S. And I think. He, the way he races, everybody expects him to go out hard. You expect him to kind of be with the leaders in the, the first half marathon. But the entire race, I'm like, okay, when's Abdi going to fall off? When's Abdi going to fall off? And he just hung around. He hung around. And somewhere like around a 5K left to go, it's like, this guy's going to make the team. He, yeah, not, I couldn't believe it. He looked like he was going to fall off too. Like his form was just kind of elbows out, swinging around. I thought for sure he was going to fall off. From like mile five, it yeah. seemed like. So stats and research department came up big this morning in the last you know 10 minutes while I got ready for this. But how about this? Abdi's PR for the marathon, guess what year? Oh, my God. It's got to be like... I'm going to say 2008. I'm, I'm going to say 2005. 
five. You guys, right there. 2006. But that's Woo! insane. That was 14 that years ago the guy ran his PR. That's when he peaked, and he's still going to the Olympics. The other awesome stat is he has the master's record at the New York City Marathon. This guy has a master's record. Like, you should not be going to the Olympics <laughs> when you have the master's record. That's when you get out and you just beat all the other bums that are, like, you know, just hanging on for dear life. Like, that's, that's some craziness. I mean, anything can happen out there. Just absolutely wild. I mean, a couple other a couple other notes. Uh, Lenny Career kind of falling off into fourth. He was like he was there the whole race. You know, up until like the last five k, last couple miles, you always thought he had a shot at it, but he just he couldn't. He just didn't have it. And I think he was that was a big upset not having him make the team. I think every, he was on everybody's board to to make the podium for sure. Especially when he was against Riley and Abdi going down there. Yeah, yeah, he was in the mix like. I mean, it was a crazy finish. You come down the home stretch, and it was like, this race is pretty much over. They only have, like, 400 meters to go. But Career was so close that it still was a chance that he could beat one of those guys. That was an insane finish. Yeah, Rupp Rupp ran away with it. But that race for second and third, the last, you know, five, six miles, every time you, like, saw a shot of them on the TV, one guy kind of looked like he was falling back. Yeah. And the next time they show, like, oh, whoa, Riley made a move and got around it. Oh, Career's right there. And then all of a sudden, Abby and, and, and Riley were up top. Like, it was it was anybody's, literally anyone's race. I, I think it's worth mentioning, too, like, Jacob Riley, what a badass. Yeah. I, 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 underdog might be a bit of a stretch because he did have one of the fastest times coming in. But he did it at Houston, and, you know, it's kind of his big breakout moment. And I don't know if anybody actually believed that, like, he was going to be the guy making the team over a guy like Career or, you know, over Fobble or those kinds of guys. Jared Ward didn't make the team. So I don't think anybody kind of saw him coming, but I don't think we should be that surprised because he just ran crazy fast at Houston. And, I mean, obviously the guy's a stud, so. Yeah. How about, how about this little tidbit on him? When there was the news story where Nike was giving out, you know, the free shoes to anyone that wanted yeah. it, he ran in those shoes. First time putting him on, and he qualifies. That's so. badass. That is wild. Mikey loves that. <laughs> it's not a good look for the uh, the shoe backers out there. That's some guy well, who just put these shoes on and then makes the team. <laughs> um, one of my favorite storylines from yesterday, and one of the most fun parts of the race, was Matt McDonald oh out of the God, Atlanta Trap Club. So. Kind of, I mean, definitely not a no name. He was, he was kind of, he was, he was, uh, he was. I think he was ranked in the top ten coming into this, into this race. But somewhere around mile 20, 18 to twenty, somewhere around there, he took the lead, and he was in the lead. And he's a hometown hero from the Atlanta Track Club. And we were at the bar like with his entire family, and the place was going nuts. And it was just very exciting to see a hometown guy at the front of the race, somebody that you didn't expect to see up there so late in the race. He fell off to tenth. Tenth is still a very respectable finish, but that was one of the most fun moments in the in the race for me. Oh yeah, and like late in the race, like he was very much in the mix. And I remember I was out in the sidewalk. I was talking to his former nanny. I was talking to his <laughs> cousin. Like literally his whole family. They had cardboard cutouts. They were going bananas. And then he came through in second. I think at the eighteen mile mark, and the entire sidewalk just exploded. It was the coolest thing. I thought there was no chance he didn't make the team after that. I was like, <laughs> this is amazing. Yeah, and the, just so much respect for that, right? Where I'm going for top three. Like, he maybe if he played it a little safer, he could maybe sat in that six or seven, eight range type of thing. But why? Why not just go for it? He went for it. He fell off, didn't get in the end, but just hats off to McDonald. Another guy I think it's worth mentioning, um, the dude uh, Schrader, who took the race out for the yep. first, like, half marathon. What do we think of that move? Like, 
just going out there, pushing it, taking the lead by a ton. And he looked pretty good for most of it, but I'm pretty sure he ended up dropping out of the race at race 16 or mile 16. And it's like, part of me wants to be like, what a badass move, just going for it. He didn't probably didn't think he had much of a chance to make the team unless he did something crazy, went after it. But then it's also like, he kind of looks dumb now that he well, led led the Olympic trials and then had to drop out. Well, I mean, why are you here? Why are you at the trials? Your trials, you're, yeah. you're, you are at the trials to fulfill a, a lifetime goal, probably years and years worth of work to make the Olympics. You got to do what you got to do. I mean, no, none of those, none of those runners out there are out here for a participation medal. They're out here to try and make the Olympic team. And so if you're not going to act, execute the the strategy that you think is your only chance of making the olympic team why are you out here so i respect the hell out of it you know what i mean i respect the hell out of him going out there mixing it up you know maybe it could be some type of like miracle story where he's able to to hang on um but he put it all on the line he gets his nice picture leading the olympic trials um you know we're talking about him you know i think the the world yesterday knew his name and so, like, why the hell not? Go Steve, for it. You nailed it. That's what it's all about. There's a lot of people that ran the trials. I mean, really impressive that everybody got there. But when, when you go out in the town after you run the trials, you're kind of just one of several hundred. But when you're straighter and you go out to the bar or whatever, and you, you mention, oh, I was in the trials, I'm sure the person said, oh, yeah, I was on TV at the bar or whatever. And like, oh, that was me in first place <laughs> for 45 minutes. I mean, talk about, like, just, just mad pickup game right there. I mean, that's why you do it for the attention we're talking. Peak too early is talking I mean, about. That, I mean, uh, what? there it is. That's that's <laughs> reason enough to do anything. So, so <laughs> one of the guys at the bar brought this up, and I'm not saying that this is what he was doing, but I thought it was an interesting point. It was like, if you are a sponsor and you have a guy who's like a middling guy, fought to make the team and everything, is there an advantage to be like, hey, man? We're going to give you a huge money bonus. Don't worry about money. Take this thing out for a half marathon. Get yeah. our jersey on the screen for a half marathon for an hour on the television. Just you by yourself leading this thing. Like, I mean, why wouldn't you do that? Maybe I could see why the runner wouldn't want to do it, but the sponsor, like, definitely. Why aren't we doing that? Why are we not finding <laughs> someone know, if peak too early to stop pre? Someone who maybe like had a recent injury is only gonna probably gonna drop out anyway. Just take out that ten miles hard. Where the P two E? I and this is like what the podcast was born off. Like not like real ideas. Like I don't think anybody would actually do this. But it's like the bunch of guys sitting at a bar watching sports and just like coming up with ridiculous ideas. I love it. I, yeah. I think we should do it. I'm I think serious. We should. I don't I know mean, why this is a fake idea. Four, four years. Let's go. Buy some P2E shirts. Stop P2E shirts so we can afford uh, a leader in the Olympic trials in four <laughs> years. Um, wanted to quickly touch on a couple other friends of the program. Uh, Scott Fobble with a 12th place finish and Scott Smith with a 19th place finish. You know, I think we, we had high hopes for both of these guys. And, you know, top 20 at the Olympic trials is, is, is a very good effort. I think that they... That, that they both ran well yesterday but it was just it just wasn't their days so much has to click when you're when you're racing a marathon and it you know I just I just don't think you know I, I watched a quick interview with Fabla after he said that he was struggling a little bit around some of like the fueling stations and he was trying to get up there but he just never like felt it and it just kind of it just kind of brings you to the harsh reality of this sport where it's like you can train for five six years for this day but if it just doesn't click if, if it all doesn't click then it's 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 not going to work out for you, which sucks. There, there was a point at mile like sixteen when Scott Smith kind of got cut off and looked like yep. he almost like rolled his ankle or something, 
and I, I'm not sure if he actually hurt himself or whatever, but he had to like kind of regroup, head to the outside of the pack to like get his rhythm back, and it com- seemed like it completely threw off his rhythm, and he just never looked the same the rest of it. I mean, he still finished strong, 19th place. That's that's very good, but I wonder what happened there if there was actually something that you know kind of broke his rhythm. It looked like it. It definitely. I did. mean, it, he was he was in the he was in the I think at well. It was technically the chase pack because right. somebody was. I, I mean, I think there was a, a there was a, a big leader there, um, but he was in the chase pack. He was looking strong. He was in the top ten, and he got clipped. And you saw him go to the side, and he kind of had a couple limp steps after that. And we both looked at each other like, I think he might kind of be hurt yeah. out there. So you hate to see that, but again, top twenty. You know, for for both of those guys, you know, it's 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 hard to hard to be mad at that when you're you know you're 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 running a a two twelve and, and two fourteen marathon yeah. on a on a tough course. So credit to both those guys. On the women's side, are we ready to go to women's side? Want to do Richie? Two other people we want to mention, two other friends of the program, Tim Ritchie and, and Joe Nemec. Um, you know, it was crazy because we had all these signs made and we were hoping to kind of like be able to connect with some of our, you know, our friends of the program out on the course. But there was just so many people that it was really kind of hard to catch their attention. But um, it was just fun seeing them out there. Like you said, we were out there trying to and you couldn't even it was so loud you couldn't even get their name out in time to and if you got distracted for a second it's like boom they blow by you so and then when you tried to to reach up with them after the race i was talking to joe and he's like dude i am so tired right now it's amazing how a marathon at noon will make you just want to go right to sleep and i was like <laughs> dude i totally understand that and it was windy out there everyone's talking about the hills it was like that marathon where we were looking on the stretcher, it seems like flat and kind of like a basic marathon. But from whatever we everything we can tell, like that was a hard, slow, tough marathon. So I think it really beat some of these guys up. Yeah, a lot of a lot of like deceptively just you look out like that's a that's a long hill, you know. Yeah. You uh you don't notice it when you're a few beers deep and you're just going up ten meters to get a spot, you know, to cheer people on. <laughs> but if you had to run through it, um, a bunch of times. But kind of like you're saying, Steve, trying to find people, the one kind of like little critique I'd have about the whole setup was you had the men and the women running at the same time. Yes. And then you had the loops, right? Where I don't know, was it three, four loops? But they were going like both ways on the road, right? So the men would go by one way, then the women would go by, then men be coming back on the other side of the road, then the women then but so by the time it gets to the like multiple laps in, you just have runners everywhere. Which made it electric as a fan because you just go out and you're just shouting you got cops in the middle of the road like getting people fired up and getting people chanting for different people but as someone who was trying to follow the race it made it pretty difficult to feel like i had a thumb on things and you know find our guys out to show them our cool signs another bar conversation we were having was like most marathons i think it'd be ridiculous and take way too long to separate the men and the women but when we're trying to follow these races and follow the athletes, there's just so much going on that it kind of would have been cool if we could just ran the races back to back, have the men go first, then the women, or vice versa, whatever. But that way we could just fully get into these races and be able to kind of track what is happening instead of just like two hours of nonstop chaos, which in its own right was fun, but it did make it hard to track at times. Don't these people know we have money on this? I know. I mean, <laughs> before we get into the women, we just got, I think we got to, we got to talk about it real quick, but NBC's decision to cut oh, to Trump's, you know, address of the, of the coronavirus with like a 5k left in the men's race. Despicable. I mean, like, like, how are we expected to grow the sport? How are we expected to, like, get people excited about it when, like, the most exciting moment 
of the marathon, you got to cut to the president's address. I mean, just awful. Dude, when, when they cut to it, and this is like totally not political at all, but when you see Trump up there, I was, first off, I was like, oh shit, like what happened, right? Yeah. Was there like something really bad for the nation? Did somebody like die? Was there an attack? Like the worst thing, why else would you cut through it? And then it's just like a little update on the coronavirus and it was just, it was appalling. I mean, yes. luckily we could just go outside and be like part of the action. So we were like good, but we're trying to get, you know, eyes on the finish. It was, it was insane. And like I said, this is when the, you know, uh, Riley and Career and Abdi were like battling it out. It was an absolute grind. They were all together and only two of those guys was going to make the team. It was like, this is why you watched the race was for those, you know, 15 minutes and we, you know, we have to watch NBC's news conference stuff like that. It's like, oh my god! Imagine if that that would never happen in Imagine a football game in the third or, quarter of the Super it's Bowl. Like, it's like that would never happen. Yeah, terrible, ridiculous. Anyways, but on the women's side, so it was a somewhat, like we said, somewhat disappointing day for our, you know, the NAZ elite on the men's side. But on the women's side, on the women's side, Alifine Tulimak with an absolute dominant performance, uh, you know, across the finish line, getting the top of the podium on the way to the Olympics. It was really exciting to, to see her do so well out there and see, you know, even though, you know, we've, we've built some relationships with the NAZ team on the men's side, it was nice to see them have a lot of success on the women's side. Yeah, and so the women's side was crazy. If anybody predicted those three, hats off to you because – there was none of who people thought were the favorites. Emily Sis and Jordan to say just nothing there. Molly Huddle, not like the only one who was close was was Dez, and she just got squeaked out. But it's like if you predicted that, you should be a millionaire now because nobody saw that coming. What an insane race! Dude, just just so much fun to watch too because it wasn't you know there was a couple like a surprise at the beginning and it held that way. It was just one big pack to mile 20 or something like that. It was so exciting. Every time, who's going to make the lead? Who's going to make the move? And there wasn't even, you know, the crazy person. Like, there wasn't the guy's side to go out and, and make it interesting and at least put a rabbit out there. It was just this giant pack of runners. You know, some of the big names with a lot of, like, you know, just people we had never heard of, honestly. Yeah. Um, but the longer that nobody made the move like that, you know, the longer you start believing that you can do it. And then all of a sudden, you got just like a crazy top three finish going in the end. So just awesome race. Molly Seidel. Shout out to our guy, Colin. That's right. He Before the race, we have it on tape, him being interviewed saying, I think Molly Seidel is going to have a big day. And it was one of those things where you see her and kind of Ali Tumamak, you know, break away and everybody's kind of doing their quick research. Like, who's who's this Seidel girl? And so she qualified with a half marathon time. This was her first ever marathon coming out there, finishing second, getting on the podium. Um, just a really, like, inspirational race. Great to see that. It almost makes me wish I had never run a marathon because then I would see, <laughs> oh, Molly can qualify on her first one. Maybe I could qualify on my first one, but... Unfortunately, I've run a couple, and I've debunked that theory for myself. <laughs> um, Sally Kipiego as well. Yeah. So you had Seidel and Tuliamak going out, and they were kind of battling you know, for one-two for a while. Allie pulled away. It was a wicked tight finish in the end, eight seconds or something. Um, but Kipiego, I thought, was almost more impressive the way she held on the third because she was alone for like the last six. And it's one thing when you're alone up front, like Rupp, where you just have all the rhythm, have all the momentum – when you're alone because you got dropped by like those first two, that was like she was, you know, just a, a prey or in open water. Um, but she held on. And she had, had Des Linden coming down on you, right? So, like, 
that that gap is closing quick, and she held on. It was impressive. That, that's what I was going to say, too. I kind of felt bad for Sally because coming down the home stretch, the entire place was cheering for Desi, right? When Desi's face would come on the television, the bar would explode. explode. It was crazy. And, like, Kate Bigo's awesome and belongs on that team. I think she should have been more of, like, uh, people's picks, I think, go, going into it. And like I said, I felt bad for her because it was like, I didn't want to root against her, but it was hard to like not feed into that Dez energy when just like every time everyone's like, come on, Dez, you can close the gap, you can close the gap. It was so, I mean, that, but that's, that's just, that's Dez's, you know, America's sweetheart. So it's. Yeah, she's, she's a fan favorite and I think she captured everybody's heart in 2018 with, with Boston and, you know, she's. You know she's she's funny when she talks to the media and it's just she's a fan favorite and it was like you said it was cool like every time even early on in the race like every time she popped up the crowd you get like a little bit of a, a pop from the crowd but you know in watching those last two miles and watching her make the move to kind of chip away at that lead can you guys imagine running 26.2 miles and missing the olympics by 11 seconds it's just like no. it's heartbreaking but yeah and it's like something that people like us can't relate to even no. a little bit like that must be so damn heartbreaking at least the one thing des has is like at least she's been there and it wasn't like her only chance if that was you know if you were on the men's side like career ca- career right like that would have that was it right i mean that was his chance to get there and it was like 10 15 seconds away from making the damn team yeah i think it was closer than that yeah too. maybe yeah. It was. he was yeah. like right there and he wasn't just a you know, a strong surge at the end. He was, like, right in the mix, you know, in that top three position for most of the race. So, um, yeah, man, just just craziness to go out there <laughs> and not be able to come up just short like that. And so, you know, we talked about kind of one of my favorite moments on, on the men's side. You know, I think one of the coolest moments of the day was seeing Nell Rojas battle in that front pack. Ninth place finish for our girl, Nell. Um, just absolute warrior out there just grinding every step of the way and i think it was like somewhere around miles it was seven eight and we're at the bar and they're doing like the quick like you know shuffling of all the names to see who's in first and who's in first the first name that pops up nell rojas and it was just like let's go and she hung with that front pack the entire race fell off a little bit when there was a breakaway but held on for a top 10 finish there's no way you can be upset about that just a a heroic effort from Nell out there. I mean, it, it was as late as like mile 20, 21 that I was like, there's a very legitimate shot she makes this team. Like, yeah. she is right in the mix. And we know that she's such a grinder. It's, you know, it's kind of crazy watching her next to some of the girls that are around her because we've talked about in the past, right? She's this super strong and just powerful runner. And she looks like she would just kick the shit out of everybody around her. Everyone's got these like smooth strides and Nell's just out there grinding away. And I was like, she is going to make this team. But unbelievable race i mean that was as far as friends of the program go that's that's our our big finish right there she was right behind des for like a point <laughs> yeah. of family. she looked like shaquille o'neal out there <laughs> with, you know mugsy bogues in front of her with little des linen right in front but i mean that's what made the women's race so fun was there was you know nell for us but everybody probably had you know that kind of dark horse or, or someone they were rooting for because the pack was like 15 strong at 20 mile mark it was awesome yeah, um, I think so. It's something we talked a lot about before the race, and you never, you never like to see somebody do poorly. I mean, this is such like 
you have such conflicting feelings, you know, watching race because at the end of the day, you're cheering, you're cheering for the team that we're going to send to the Olympics. Like everybody out there is all Americans, and and you kind of want to see everybody do well, and so you're not really rooting against somebody. But we all predicted it that uh, you know Jordan Hesse was going to have a tough day out there, and she did. You know, what do you guys think of this? I mean, that was literally the only thing we got right, and yeah, honestly, right. it was just pure luck. We said a lot of things on our preview podcast. And Trent disagrees. I mean, that, was, that was skill, man. That is research, hard work. You can't just make predictions like that and get it right if you're just if you're just relying on luck, Michael. Well, I think so. The the information that we did have, right, is she DNF'd going into this race and a couple marathons, and it was unclear how healthy she was and where she was at. I think she had a hard time with the whole Alberto transition. So there's a lot going on. So it was like one of those things where there was so much going around in her circle at that point where it's like all right if there's anybody who has a lot to deal with right now it's her so and like you said steve it's it's fun to like root against people on paper right and that's what we want in the sport you want to have your favorite athletes your favorite teams and you want to root against other people like that is just healthy to be a sports fan and have those feelings but as soon as you're out there on the course and you see them going by you're just going nuts for everybody like i'm just (laughs) screaming at like just all the random people out there you know somebody that i may have pick to lose or you know needed to lose based on our, our pool that i was in when you see him in person just you know go 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 who, who was my man who gave you the thumbs up oh that was um i'm not gonna remember his name but that was that was a great moment i was like hey i got oh clayton young yeah yeah, yeah. clayton <laughs> i got money on you and then he just gives me the, the thumbs up as he goes by it was that was awesome. late in the race too that was super late in the race he, was, he, was, <laughs> you know, he had it all together <laughs> well guys i think you know we're we're kind of licking our wounds right now. We're beat up. I think you can hear everybody's listening to the podcast, and it sounds like their voices is, is really raspy. And, <laughs> I mean, it's like I'm not feeling great right now. But this was like one hell of a weekend, and it was just it was just a great weekend for our sport. And I'm so happy we came down here. I was exhausted before we got started. I think we all were. Maybe it's because I've had six cups of coffee right now, <laughs> or maybe it's because all the energy about talking about this is bringing it back, which is kind of, as we talked about earlier, why we're so excited for the 27 video production, because I just want to relive this. It's good. It was such a good weekend. And I, like, on the idea of reliving it, this is what we need to, like, this is how we grow the sport, is we find more events like this and replicate it and we don't need to do it for every single track event, for every running event, but we need to have our staples that are just like huge fan-oriented experiences, and we have to find the right way to showcase them. Because yesterday, anybody who was involved yesterday, even if you were not a running fan, or there's a bunch of people who were just at the bar watching it, they had to have some kind of excitement going on. There's people watching it and getting excited that had no idea what was going on. That's what we need to do. We need to find ways to replicate this and find the right events to rally around it. Yeah, you said we got to find ways to showcase it. We found it. It's yeah, been found. Yeah. It's it's City Tap House in Atlanta. It's been found. <laughs> and I, I, Mike, you mentioned earlier on that this, you know, this weekend felt like the entire running world kind of converged on on Atlanta for this. And you know, even non-marathoners, we got to spend some real quality time with the the Brooks Beast this weekend. You know, friends of the program, Henry Wynn, Josh Kerr, um, Coach Mackey. We got to spend some time talk with them. Some, um, some future guests. Some possible future guests, but. I'm, you know, talking to those guys, and now that we have the marathon trials behind us, I am so pumped. I am so pumped for the track trials. Oh, absolutely, absolutely. And we're going to have to find a way to kind of, you know, I don't know if we're going to be out in Eugene or what we're going to do, but we're going to find a way to kind of showcase, showcase the, the track trials, whether it's a, a watch party like we did last year. Like I said, maybe we end up in Eugene. Who knows? 
just like going back to what you're saying, Steve, just like the whole town coming out. And there's just like living legends all over the place. Like you, you had no idea that you were walking by like the most elite athletes current and past throughout the entire city. Like if you, even people who do know what they're talking about, there's still just people everywhere that you have no idea how many talented people, how many important people in the sport. Like who was the, uh, Oh yeah. We, we were just, we were just walking out of the, out of the expo. And I'm like, Mike, you know, I think that's former Boston Marathon champ, Amby Burfoot. And he's, he's an older guy. Like, it's kind of hard to tell. And Mike does a quick Google search, and he's like, yeah, that, definitely. that's definitely him. <laughs> so we, like, went over. We talked to him. We got to talk to him a little bit about Boston. It was a lot of fun. There was one point where we were walking out of our building, and I was just like, hey, that's Noah Drody. Right? Yeah, and we went over, and we, we, we talked with him for a little bit. It was, yeah, it, it, was, it was very cool. People everywhere. There, there was one point where I got my hat signed by uh, <laughs> oh my a former God. Olympian. I don't even know who it is. Her, her <laughs> handwriting's really messy, but um, she signed my hat, so that was cool. <laughs> so we're about to get kicked out of our Airbnb, so we got to wrap up today's episode. We got to pack up and and uh, clean up a little bit before they, before they give us. <laughs> There's they... only so much cleaning we can do, Steve. It's a long story. We might just have to throw it all out. But you know, pack up a little bit, head out of here. Um, so on that note, Mike, why don't we kick off the Bell app? Yeah, I mean, for the Bell app, I just wanted to thank everybody who supported us this weekend. Like, we had such a cool crew rolling with us, the fans who came down, the bar, like Steve said, but just, like, everything seemed to go according to plan, and I hope that everybody who was involved in it had a blast. And this is just the beginning, right? Like, this is just the beginning of what we're starting here. We're going to continue to kind of create these environments and these events and and i hope the people who were hanging with us had a good time and that they can spread the word and let's let's keep growing this crew for the next uh the next big race trent what you got for people in the bell app yeah i mean you you got a lot of good shout outs in earlier steve i don't i know we're gonna miss people and it's because there's you know too much caffeine and not enough sleep so um there's there's not enough time to shout out all the people that showed us some love out there that that recognized us at like 1 30 you know in the streets yeah. of atlanta like oh it's a p2e crew so that was super awesome um i did just want to ask you guys to to wish me luck and, and maybe uh let you know i won't be able to record for a, a month or so i am going to to europe and to italy um so i'm gonna probably get the coronavirus so i'm gonna need you guys <laughs> to hold down the fort without me um but hopefully i can i can bounce back from it and i'll, I'll see you in like three months i guess <laughs> uh everything that needs to be said has been said thanks to everybody for this awesome weekend land it's been a ton of fun on that note mike i would have run faster but i peaked too early hit me with the josie We're having a fun time. 
Man, what is your name? Steve Mudgett. We're with Steve Mudgett. One second, redo. Take two. We are we are live at the Olympic trials at the posters party having a blast enjoying the day. I'm with Steve Mudgett. Is that your name? Steve Mudgett. Yes. Steve, what's your story? Why are you here today? Well, I'm here to watch the Olympic trials marathon, and I ran into this guy with a spit and chiclets hat. That's our cameraman. Because I got because I got a Miami hockey jersey from Miami University on. So I, I went to Miami of Ohio. There okay. were two two women in the race from Miami of Ohio. Who were so, they? Who were they? Uh, Maria, I can't remember last That's fine. Name. That's fine. Um, so we rooting for the Miami Ohio girls. So, I love yeah. That. So I live in Dallas. All right. And there were twelve women from the Dallas Fort Worth area in the race. And I hear I hear you were pretty fast once upon a time too. I ran uh, two twenty six forty years ago in the Boston Marathon. Four years ago. Forty. Forty. Four zero. <laughs> Yeah, and finished about 50th place. All right, all right. Bill Rogers just outleaned me at the tape. This guy raced Bill Rogers. Pretty cool. So how did today live up the expectations? Was this as fun and electric as you thought it would be? Oh, no, it was an awesome environment. The city of Atlanta was great. I mean, you would go in a, a, one block, and there would be like you guys on a whole block. Jared Ward had a whole block. Just for two miles, all the way from Baker Street down to the turnaround, the whole city. So what is your advice to the guys that qualify tonight? What would you tell them to celebrate with? Oh, beer, for sure. Great. Have, a lo have a local beer from Atlanta. You heard it here first, local beer. Everybody's having fun tonight. As soon as you are able, woman, I am Cup is on the table. I love is spilling, waiting here for you to take and drink up. If you're tired of the same old story, don't oh, turn some page. Desert burning Until you pour up me like a sweet 